0: welcome to the success inspired podcast a business and personal development podcast to help you accomplish more in life and realize your true potential and now
1: here is your host Vit muller hello everybody my guest today has 20 years of experience in 911 emergency communications. Over the course of the 20 years, he has been a dispatcher, manager for Countywide Consolidation and is now running his own training business to help other 911 dispatchers in both US and internationally to be a better leaders with dealing through crises and emergency situations. Please welcome to the show, Joe McCarville from 911 Leadership Gold.
0: Thank you, uh, this is Joe McCarville. It's a pleasure to be on your show, the Success Inspired Pod- Podcast, and I'm excited to be a guest and talk about how all this correlates and everything else. So thank you for having me on today.
1: Awesome, well, it's great to have you here, Joe. Joe, what compelled you to, to become an uh, emergency dispatcher?
0: Uh, the number one thing is I graduated college in communications. I knew I was going to college for business type classes originally. And I was not enjoying them so I thought if I enjoyed the classes that I was taking in college I would enjoy a job down the road and I took a communications class and I really liked it so I switched to communication studies and I had no idea uh, what I would do with that when I graduated and the job 911 dispatcher from the town that I grew up in uh, opened up and I applied for it not really knowing what I was getting myself into. And found out that I really uh, liked the job. I liked the how you could help the community. I liked how you got to interact and make a difference in people's lives. And got the agency I worked at has more than just one dispatcher working at a time. We had about five working at a time. And I also liked the teamwork that we got to have. So uh, that's what really got me into nine one one. Our nine one one was the fact that I graduated in communications and i wanted to do something in that field and i also wanted to help people so that's really where i started and how i got into it
1: what are some of the key moments for you while you were working there that that sort of comes to mind for you
0: yeah absolutely i was there for a little over 6 years and there's uh, some calls that stuck with me and i'm sure we'll dive into a few of those But the other thing that stuck with me was we were a recently um, merged center with uh, the law enforcement and the firefighters. So their dispatchers used to be separate and then they combined them into one center. And we were going through some transitional phases of uh, training and cross training everybody. So everybody was kind of a new dispatcher at a time on certain councils or stations uh, when I started. And then the second thing was how quickly they asked me to train somebody else. Right, <laughs> uh, I, I'm proud of that. And that really jumped out to me, and I got to during the six years, I was able to train several other dispatchers along the way. So that kind of got me invested into the the training
1: mode as well. And mm-hmm. I think it makes sense consolidating uh, all the different dispatching units into, into one. Right. I mean, what, what what are you saying? Is before was like a separate dispatching for for firefighters, the separate dispatches for emergencies, right? Yeah. When you yeah, when you think of Emerging situations, oftentimes, they need to communicate between each other as well, right? And so having that centralized hub, I guess, makes speed things up. And what are some of the other benefits of doing that?
0: Uh, the other benefits are you have mul- uh, additional staff. You have cross-training that takes place. Uh, you can also have a backup location sometimes within the same county or the same city uh, if you merge them into one and keep one of the other ones active. And you also uh, obtain more knowledge base. And when you're also talking about um, a lot of times there's a, a tiered response. So an emergency call such as a fire, a structure fire or something along those lines, you may also send the police department to assist with traffic control. You may also send an ambulance or medical assistance to assist the people that may have got injured from the fire and the firefighters are going and when you combine all of them into one, uh, everybody knows what's going on at the same time and helps being sent simultaneously to get a mm. quicker res- quicker response.
1: and knowing that yeah, knowing that the emergency guys are coming for the five others to know about it's all it's all very very handy useful, right because and also you'd probably have a, a scenarios where you know the typical scenarios where you'd know already, okay, well we've got this happening okay, we're definitely going to need it. Um, these guys, these guys, and these guys because of the nature of that situation and based on the history of that. What were some of the um, like situations that you personally had to deal with as a dispatcher that really sort of stand out? And you've been doing this for about 20 years, right?
0: Yeah, I was taking calls for a little over six and then transitioned more into the manager role. So this call I always talk about whenever anybody asks me. And it stuck with me for a lot of reasons. And it, I'm going to just warn whoever may be listening that it is kind of a tragic outcome. But it's the call that stuck with me for a lot of reasons. For the, it shows the growth in where emergency services has come from, from where it w- used to be. And it also talks about the peer support or the critical incident debriefing that dispatchers also may need to receive or are now receiving. And this call came in from a uh, child caller that was in a car and he didn't know the address. And at that time, cell phones were only giving us what they call Phase One information, which was just they were giving us and passing through the cell phone number, and that was it. So I didn't have any history on that phone number. I didn't have any information about the location, and the child caller did not know anything about where he was at the time. So I first needed to determine where they were and what was going on. And it just so happened that his uh, cousin, uh, female teenage uh, person uh, was rollerblading in a parking lot and went to stop herself and unfortunately went through a window and ended up uh, being killed in the incident. But I was talking to this person and the way he described it was he was by a brown building and a baseball diamond. And so I was instantly thinking of schools uh, in the area that were brown and that you could see a baseball diamond from uh, the parking lot. And I kind of guessed and sent an east side engine to a high school and a west side engine to a high school. And when I dispatched the call, I said, you're responding to a uh, female with glass stuck in her neck and a a lot of bleeding. And so they did make us go to a debriefing afterwards. And I got the address right. I'm proud of that uh, because I knew my area that I was responsible for. I guessed luckily. And we got help there as quickly as we could. Uh, They did make us go to a debriefing, and a lot of the information contained in those are confidential, but the one thing I always share is that one of the firefighters in there did say, and he didn't know I was the one that dispatched the call at the time, that the way I dispatched the call about the glass and the neck and stuff is that it definitely got their attention they were going to something really serious, and he appreciated that I just used plain text and said exactly what I had. Um, over the radio and they when they got there they were already in you know high gear and everything else so I knew what benefit I had from going to that critical incident debriefing I knew what it was like when a call really sticks with you even for years down the road and I also know what 911 dispatchers go through when technology doesn't work and the changes that we've made now where we're getting more specific information from cell phone calls mm-hmm. and the benefits that that has to the community. As well as the emergency responders and the time that it takes us to get there so that call sticks with me for all of the reasons
1: yeah i mean the sense of responsibility one would have as a dispatcher i can't i can't even start to imagine think you know that that sense of responsibility when you get that call somebody is really uh, on on the edge of their life and needing help and you really don't have any information that could wow that, that would have been frustrating trying to figure out and, and you generally want to want to help them right um is there any any uh, other stories that also stand in mind that 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 sort of tie into you know um the benefit of providing detailed information and how that sort of had helped at certain certain cases
0: oh absolutely um We've uh, recently upgraded to what's called a rapid SOS. It's a program that gives more specific location for uh, geo coordinates, lat and long, or longitude and latitude to more accurately identify uh, where cell phone callers are calling from. Mm. And whether it be the agency I work at, or whether it be in the nation, if you read stories from the success stories that they've had about that. And we have had a few where it, um, people dial 911, but they're unable to talk, but we kind of know exactly where they are. So we send help. And it's been whether it be related to um, somebody being unable to talk because they're being held against, uh, held against their will. Uh, we've had one of those. and We've also had um, a drug overdose where the person was unable to talk, uh, was able to dial 911 and then went unconscious. and We were able to get there and assist them as well. Uh, with oh, excellent. No spoken words, so it's been a really um huge success and the more technology assists us in doing our job the safer the community and other people will be as well
1: what was it like when you started obviously we've you've you've gone a long way with i mean <laughs> dispatching gone a long way right over the 20 years of technology but what was it like for you when you started yeah. what did you have uh, it
0: It was a completely different system. Uh, When I first started, we couldn't type into what a lot of times they call them a CAD or a computer-aided dispatch system. So when I first started, uh, there's these things called common name places. So if you have a building or a structure that um, everybody knows in your jurisdiction, whether it be a, a common gas station or a restaurant or a school Uh, The systems now, you can type in the name of the school and the address automatically generates for you. And a lot of times the systems now also tell you if you have multiple fire stations in your jurisdiction, this is the fire station that needs to go. This is the area of the law enforcement that it is that you need to send. And so when I first started, we didn't have any of that. You just typed in, you got the call notes, you got the address, and you had to know which apparatuses to send which law enforcement agent or car or whatever was working that area of responsibility and so now the the technology has changed to make the job a little bit easier but sometimes it also requires the dispatchers to do a little bit more so uh, sometimes it can also make it a little bit harder but with cell phone technology alone when i first started Uh, cell phones were not the number one type of call that 911 centers were receiving. And now they're nearing almost 80. I think it's just under or maybe over in some areas, right around 80% of all 911 calls that come into us come from a cell phone. And when I started, that was (laughs) either below 50% or uh, landline type calls or business phones, whatever you want to call them, house phones. Uh, We're still calling in just as much as cell phones. So I've seen a... um, trajectory of technology increases and the different styles of phone calls that come into us are just uh it's really changed over the 20 years
1: one of the big ones i like is the gps tracking because that is that is an excellent especially if you're out out in maybe a, even a rural area and it's it's even like you might be some out in the woods mm-hmm. then just having that ability to give the uh, geo coordinates or 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 on the other end, in the dispatching, you know, to, to be able to pick it up simply from a satellite, um, that's excellent. That's excellent. Because I was talking to one of my mates the other day, and he works for a forestry here in Australia. So he does the what he does is he marks trees um, that needs to go down, and you know, sort of managing the forestry. And he was telling me that one day, you know, it was on the shift, and there was a brown snake, you know, and he was alone out in the woods. I mean, so I mean, nothing happened. But you know, you can only think, well, if something happened, what would you do? And so having having those those there's some really good apps now you can download, right? And you just press a button, it gives you the gives you the geo coordinates and you can actually ring out emergency from it. And I think it even shares the geo coordinates there for you. So that's pretty cool. What are some other things that people may not know about from the technology standpoint, like from from the from the back end?
0: Oh, from the best, the security, Uh, the amount of security that we have to do. And a a lot of times, at least here, there's a lot of public information as well. So we have to share certain amounts of information, but then we also have to protect certain data. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a mix and a match of learning uh, about public and also what needs to be encrypted. Uh, So I'd say one of the biggest things that I would talk about is uh, radio transmissions and are they broadcasting in the clear or are they being encrypted and making sure that we're protecting uh, people's information such as, you know, social security numbers or uh, important things like that. So from the back end, it's uh, it's always uh, interesting to learn about uh, public and protection and the rules that you have to follow and, and making sure you're doing that in compliance with all of the rules from uh, both uh, aspects of that. So I'd say that's the, one of the most interesting And tough challenges to always make sure you're meeting that, um, to make sure you're protecting everybody, but also getting the information out that we're supposed to be getting out that's uh, public. Mm.
1: Now, what about those dummy calls? What about those people calling in and just, you know, just having a bit of fun, having a bit of a giggle? How many of those have you come across? And would you say that has gotten better since, you know, over the years?
0: Yeah, with cell phones, I don't know if it's gotten better. Uh, the day that I would focus on for the, the 100%, uh, you know, they're dialing just to be silly or funny is probably on New Year's uh, right around midnight or 1201, 1202. Sometimes you'll get some people uh, that are celebrating New Year's that may call in, you'll answer 911, what's the address, of the emergency, and they'll just yell Happy New Year, you know, into the phone. Uh, but it is tying up the phone for real emergencies, So I would, don't encourage anybody to do that. Mm. And then also, I would say that, you know, that I would say at least over half uh, of the 911 calls here, and I don't know the exact percentage, but my opinion would be probably over 50% could probably be resolved by calling the non-emergency number or mm. uh, some other number than 911. Uh, so making sure you're using 911 or whatever the emergency number is, um, 000 in Australia, uh, for true emergencies, I think would be the uh, one message I'd want to make sure we send out to everybody.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And especially since, you know, that, like you said, you know, especially around New Year's, there's more need. Um, for for emergencies, typically, right? Because there's more, uh, especially with like stuff like fireworks, people burn and things like that. So, you know, being silly uh, may just prevent somebody who is in real need to mm-hmm. to, to get to get emergency um, to to them. So definitely. And um, <clears throat> is there any any uh, any typical one that you think the listeners should know about? Like what would not constitute as an emergency? And they may think, or or it's commonly thought as in a like a like a g- good reason to call emergency, but it really isn't, and they should know about it.
0: Yeah, I would say the one that I see the most of, frequency-wise, where people call the emergency line, at least where where I my experience comes in, is probably when somebody's unable to sleep due to a neighbor or whatever it is having a loud party or loud music. Um, There's really no life threat or medical threat. Yes, not sleeping is annoying and everything else. But like I said, that can probably be uh, taken place on the non-emergency line uh, rather than calling the emergency dispatchers for something like that. And and the second one that comes to mind is calling the emergency number to find out the non-emergency number. Uh, there's a lot of ways you can find that out now without dialing the emergency numbers, such as uh, Google or uh, maybe you have a cell phone where you could type it in or uh, whatever it might be, saving it in your phone in the jurisdiction you live in, as an example. Uh, But those are the types of calls that I would say could be avoided from calling emergency services that are commonly answered on uh, the emergency line once in a while.
1: Now, when you say non-emergency number, is it similar to what you have with triple zero where it's centralized hub for emergency? Is there a centralized hub for non-emergencies?
0: Here in the United States, a lot of times the non-emergency number rings into the same place in in a lot of the uh, emergency centers, but uh, sometimes it is separated. They'll have non-emergency and um, emergency, and then some uh, large cities will have a three-digit number also that you can call. Um, I don't have experience with that, but some of the larger cities have a three-digit non-emergency number that you can call as well to make it easy. Uh, but a lot of times here in the United States, uh, the centers are combined where 911 dispatchers are also answering the non-emergency number as well. That not all of them, but some of them.
1: Now, the whole purpose of of you being this and uh, in, in what you're doing in the last 20 is... is you, you love communication and and you want to help people you know being able to get emergency when they need it now as a as an outcome of doing this you've you've launched a business didn't you
0: i did in 2017 i launched a 911 gold line training
1: and what was the main reason for it what, what was the main desire for you to start this business
0: Uh, I had been going around the nation for a different company and teaching other 911 type classes. I was teaching um, primarily active shooter events for 911 dispatchers. And it was a great class. Uh, I enjoyed teaching it. And the interesting thing was, uh, as I would go to conferences and listen to other speakers and talk to other 911 dispatchers, I would hear a common theme about uh, low morale. Uh, high turnover, low retention, and the same theme kept coming up. And then I would look at the classes that were being taught at these conferences, and I would see we're teaching them about, you know, really volatile calls, active shooter events, or in-progress calls, or we're teaching them all about technology. And there were really very few people really willing to focus on, sometimes when you write the class description, come learn about communication. It doesn't get the same adrenaline drive of we're going to review a massive sort of either a wildland fire or we're going to review a tornado that ripped through a town and Mm. we're going to talk about that. And so I took the time off from the company I was teaching for and said, I want to start focusing on making people better communicators, making them better leaders, uh, making them become a person of influence that adds value to other people. And I stumbled upon a, the John Maxwell team certification. And I didn't know what I was getting into, uh, but I went and took it and found out that once you get certified, you're able to blend some of his material into your classes, the ones that you have the rights to use. And so he's viewed as one of the number one people in the world on personal development and leadership. And so I knew I had a really excellent resource. And I put 9 Gold line training together and I started in my home state of Iowa on October 23rd of 2017. Uh, and just to the uh, county to my south. And I showed up and there were about 25 people in each session. I did two four-hour sessions. And it went over well enough that the state of Iowa, my home state, booked my whole 2018 calendar. And because the reason for that is because I still work in 911, I do my teaching in my company. Uh, on my vacation days right when I actually do that right now. So when I say it filled my 2018 calendar, it was like every day. It was my vacation days that it filled. And then it led into other states, and we're going to get into that a little bit later, where else it's led me to. But I like to say that uh, from the headset to the world. That's kind of the phrase that I uh, like to use. And uh, I'm proud to say that I've put a few classes together uh, from 9 gold Line Training, and it's going over very well. And The way I separate myself is I try to bring a little extra energy uh, to the classes, bring some humor to the classes as well, and then make sure I always include the students in my classes uh, with a question and answer session or something like that so that they are involved as well to make some of the topics that may not seem as entertaining, communication, leadership, um, becoming a person of influence, how to increase morale at your agency, and things along that agency are that realm that may not draw as much attention, but the instant somebody has seen me speak about it, Mm. if I can have a high enough level of energy and I start building this following, my goal was to continue to add value to 911 dispatchers and other emergency dispatchers around the world. So that's how it kind of got started. And so far, so good.
1: That's excellent. That's good to hear. Well done, mate. And uh, with communication, sorry, with with any learning environment, engagement is so important, right? Especially when it comes to technical topics, because they can get a bit dry. Now, you 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 mentioned the word leadership a few times, and it's not something that I would have thought that would be something that you'd need uh, as a dispatcher. Because I always thought, oh, well, that's a like a technical technical position. You just need to be able to, you know, connect somebody from A to B. Uh, uh, but how, how important is leadership in dispatching?
0: It's uh, really important because, number one, just as the dispatcher yourself, you're in control of determining what call type you enter into that call. And unless somebody else is listening and you're in training or maybe a supervisor is listening, when you answer that phone, you're in full control of determining what sort of resources are sent to that person. So you're a leader on every single call, you're a leader on every single radio transmission as well. So every dispatcher is truly a leader in their department and they need to lead themselves well to make sure they're making sound decisions. But as a manager, the, the role I'm in now, it's extremely important. And I had zero uh, manager experience when I first started and I'll be the first to admit, I've went through tremendous amounts of growth. Uh, John Maxwell has really helped me as well become a better leader. And I I wasn't always uh, the best leader and, and I still got room to grow as well now. And I'm going to continue to develop and meet other people that makes me a better leader. But being a strong leader and leading a group of emergency dispatchers is really a huge benefit because it's a 24 by 7 by 365. It's holidays, it's weekends, it's commitment, it's dedication. And the better leader you are, uh, the better your team's going to be uh, at handling all sorts of emergencies,
1: in my opinion. And does that help people handle a, you know, any, any traumas as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when they know that they take a major call and they can count on you as a leader and they can come in and they can talk to you and they, they, you develop trust, one of the ways you become a great leader is to develop trust with your people. And when you have full trust and they know they can come talk to you about any sort of incident or anything that went on or a technology failure and they don't feel uh, stress or anxiety, they're going to really be open with you. And when you build relationships with your people, it just makes your dispatch center click. And it's something where I decided I didn't say anything to my staff when I decided to restart. And what I mean by restart is when I got Maxwell certified and I started reading and learning about leadership, there were a few things that stuck out to me, like really glaring that I wasn't doing correctly. The first one was building relationships with my people. And that's the number one I always talk about. And the, what I mean by that is since I started at the agency I now work at as a dispatcher and then I came back full circle, I knew 95% of the dispatchers I was coming into because I worked with them for six years. And they were mostly all still there. And so when I came back, I, I felt I knew, well, this person likes to do this, this person likes to do that. This is this person's, you know, shortcoming that I think we need to fix. But I only knew them as a coworker. I didn't know them as a leader or a supervisor of theirs. And I didn't know what really motivated them to stay in 911. I thought I knew and I took it for granted instead of starting over and building a relationship with them as a leader. And so one of the steps that uh, John Maxwell always talks about, number two, is building relationships with your people. And he says, if you skip that step, you'll have to come back to it someday and redo it. And that's what I ended up having to do is I redid that step. And it was the best thing that I ever could have done because now people are, uh, they're much more comfortable with me as a leader, I think. And our camaraderie has came together. Our morales went up. And I'm starting to lead people the way that they want to be led. And I'm starting to help what I call uh, build ladders for other people instead of just climbing your own. So, and then adding value to other people. So if you're willing to invest in your people and give them some, a career path and succession planning and build them a ladder as well, your odds of keeping them and decreasing your turnover is going to go up. But you have to um, do something because a lot of times in 911 or emergency services, once you become the dispatcher, there's not a, not a lot of room to grow. A lot of times, supervisors are, have been there for a while or are going to be there for a while, and they're limited in nature. So the, the odds of a, a huge career uh, path in 911 sometimes is limited. And what I decided to do is to change that and to start to give people leadership opportunities, not only at my own agency, which has been slow going, but I'm still going, um, but also to start doing that around the world, which we're going to talk about a little bit later.
1: What, one of the things that I like what you've said is that this is not just, you know, irrelevant to dispatching and running a dispatching team. Leadership is so important in any business. And anybody out there listening, if you if you have a small business and you've got people, leadership is a key um, communication. And And like the saying goes, you know, people will want to do a business with people who they know, like, and trust. And that applies to a team environment too. People will want to collaborate and work with other people more if they know, like, and trust them. And like I said, ultimately that, that strengthens the camaraderie, helps people feel um, confident and comfortable uh, with sharing um, anything that's on their mind, especially when it comes to stressful uh, experiences because uh, it's so important to share those right otherwise that's where you know trauma can become a chronic thing and, and build into like a PTSD right mm-hmm. how important is the debriefing let's talk about that because you've got debriefing on both ends I guess you know I mean the one that uh, on the on the actual you know location where, where where the emergency is happening you've got the first aider who might be on the call with you um you and then you've got and then you've got the dispatcher on the other end who may need the debriefing as well let's let's uh let's talk about that
0: yeah, it's something that's really becoming prevalent in nine one one in the United States is uh involving the dispatchers in critical incident debriefings and also having uh peer support teams in emergency services as well and peers that you can uh talk to that are trained and speaking to people uh, going through crisis and possible post-traumatic stress. And the one thing that I would really say about including the dispatchers is when a dispatcher takes a call and they're getting all the information to send help, eventually once the help gets there uh, and they hang up, a lot of times the emergency dispatchers don't get to know the final outcome. Now they may if somebody, and it's unfortunate, they may if somebody uh, passes away, uh, depending on if they, they're part of the, getting a case number uh, for their law enforcement officers. Uh, and if they're told what the outcome is in a positive or a, a negative way, they may get some closure. Uh, but a lot of times, uh, say it's a an assault or a domestic type situation, and the officers or law enforcement go to the scene and then they call for an ambulance and then everybody just goes in service after the emergency dispatcher may have no idea and if they were saying that oh it's really bad it's really bad and then when law enforcement or whatever gets there and it's not as bad as what it sounded like over the phone the caller did a good job of trying to explain what was going on but sometimes when you hear these things you start to make them a little bit bigger than what they actually were. Hmm. And and when a dispatcher is, not always though, not always, just sometimes, and when the dispatcher is able to go into a critical incident debriefing with those people that were on scene of a major event and they get to explain what was going on, the law enforcement, the firefighters, the medical professionals, whatever it may be, it really gives the dispatchers a sense of closure and they get to understand what really took place. And I just can't encourage that enough from all agencies is to make sure you're checking on your dispatchers, make sure they're a part of your peer support teams if you have them, and and try to make sure you're always including them in critical incident debriefings if you can.
1: It makes perfect sense. I mean, you've got the you've got a typical you know situation of you know when people lose lose their loved ones and then they feel um, feel the guilt and for years and years they keep you know they've got that narrative in their head where they keep thinking they could have done something you know or, or thinking it was their fault or so i can definitely mm-hmm. imagine how that would be for a dispatcher if they if 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 he or she has somebody on the line uh explaining a a critical situation and again it goes back to that sense of sense of responsibility right making sure that they they're taking on all the little details that they need to take on taking enough notes and then once they get disconnected and, you know, they've sent all the help, I can only imagine, yeah, they'll be thinking, okay, well, is there something that I've missed? Have, have I have I got all the details right? right. So.
0: Exactly. And that you, you nailed it. I mean, uh, you just said why it's so important for them to get closure. And, and when they do, they're able to let go of some of that and it really does help the dispatchers when they receive and they're a part of that uh, those programs. So I, I just encourage that a lot because it truly helps with uh, retention in, in emergency dispatch centers and it helps gives the dispatchers closure.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's, that is a valid point as well. Exactly. It's not just about them to have that closure, but it's also they need that closure because they need to be able to function and be able to take that next call yeah. as a dispatcher. And not be influenced by uh by, by that um uh, what's the word? Um by the trauma. Yeah. From past. Because yeah. trauma or anything like that, that that stays with us and influences our decision making in the future, right? So Yeah. Well, great.
0: I mean you're nailing it all. You <laughs> you're nailing it all as to why it's so important. So
1: now with your business so you 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 mentioned you started doing some courses and quite successfully you 've been able to fill up rooms and they were well, they' like three hour long uh, four hours and as a result you 've been able to now not help not only um, manage dispatches in America but you've managed to get some gigs outside overseas as well
0: yeah, one of the number one thing it wasn 't a four hour one but it was a shorter one. But I did fly over to Dublin, Ireland, and I spoke to now I'm getting nine 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 emergency dispatchers in Dublin, Ireland, and there was a, a conference that is uh, countrywide uh, mm-hmm. over there, and uh, they invited me over there to speak. And I got up in front of the room, and I relied on the the talking and teaching points to be John Maxwell information because it's an international certification. And then the stories I shared to relate that information came from working in emergency services. And that's what's the benefit about uh, my company is that a lot of the teaching points come from the number one person in the world on leadership and personal development, according to many. And then I add relevant emergency dispatch stories to the material to make it make sense. And a lot of times, so does the audience and those that attend. Well, I want to talk about... Uh, this point or this story, because of that that very point that you just said. So let me tell you this story, and it really drives up class engagement when we do it correctly.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. And lot I was
0: well, yeah, I was welcomed by Ireland. I had a great time over there. Uh, they they gave me a tour of their emergency dispatch center, which they dispatch the ambulance and medical out of a dispatch center that is for the whole country, which was just a, a, a very unique to me. And they also uh, are also fully accredited, the the whole country as well, uh, through the International Academy of Emergency Dispatch. And so that was unique to me as well. And I I just cannot be more excited to continue to reach out. It's an honor speaking to you tonight in Australia and um, to continue to reach out to all emergency dispatchers because I think my platform speaks to everybody regardless of where you're at.
1: Now, how much more work needs to be done? You mentioned Ireland; they've done, uh, you know, ca- a countrywide, you know, uh, investment into this. Where is, for example, where is US with this? How far yeah. behind or how far ahead are they?
0: Uh, there's a lot of agencies. The US is uh, large, so there's a lot of agencies that are accredited uh, in emergency medical dispatching as well. And so, there's a lot of agencies. It's just not countrywide. Uh, I don't know if we would. It'd be a long time, in my opinion, just guessing before the U.S. was countrywide because not even every agency does emergency medical dispatching in the United mm. States. So it would be a while so before that happened. That's why I said when they went over there and they said that the the country is uh, fully accredited, It was I I, th- I thought at first maybe I misheard because that was so uh, different for me. And then I started asking questions about it. And I did not mishear and they explained it to me and uh, it, it even made it more, um, it made myself more proud to speak over in a country that the whole country was um, accredited in emergency medical dispatching and to get the feedback that I did that they really appreciated uh, the class as well was awesome.
1: Uh, that's excellent. And one of the things I like, man, what you said about John Maxwell and that leadership course, bringing in, you know, taking on the principles of that leadership uh, system, uh, but then bringing in your own stories from your own industry uh, to make it relevant to uh, to your listeners to the audience which are specific being dispatchers but John Maxwell um, is this something that would be relevant to, to any industry
0: yeah absolutely any industry schools parents industry doesn't matter different countries doesn't matter Uh, you know, go out and uh, read one of his many books. Uh, It applies to anybody. And then the instructor just needs to relate it back to what they're teaching for their industry. But there's all sorts of different certified John Maxwell team speakers in different um, organizations, whether it be schools, uh, medical churches, um, you name it, they're, they're certified speakers all around the world. And that's one of the things also that I'm proud to be part of an organization that has speakers all over the world as well.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure I'll put that in the show notes because leadership is so important. Now, if you, let's go back to your business. Is there something that you wish you had known when you, when you were starting out with you, your uh, a training business?
0: Yeah, I wish I was better at uh, building a website at first. And right. So I still got a little ways to go there. But the other thing is just how much uh, a work it really takes to build an audience and to get your company name out there. When I started, um, I was new to the market. Nobody had heard of me. And so how much uh, work it was going to take, number one, to be heard of, how much you had to commit to yourself to make it work, and uh, the fact that it is a little bit of hard work. Yeah, I mean, you got to really put some time and effort into it and then you also have to build up um trust in your audience that when you do show up to teach a class or an instruct a class that the audience is going to get something out of it that's productive. And but then also the feedback that you get to make a difference in people's lives and add value to other people. That's worth more than any paycheck in my mind. When I mm-hmm. get a review that says to me, you just made a difference in my life, um You made me think about the ways that I talk to callers or that I talk on the radio or how I treat my coworkers, or you made me understand that my job really does matter again and that I'm important. When I get those reviews, that's worth the the price of gold. That's why I do it. My whole goal is to add value to other people so that they can continue to be a successful emergency dispatcher. That's awesome.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, outside of running your own business and you know being a manager at, um, is that in Iowa? Yes, it is in Iowa. So, other than being busy doing doing this, um, what do you do like to keep to keep fit and healthy?
0: Yeah, uh, the health portion has been uh, it's been a roller coaster for me. I've been all the way from what I would call fit and healthy to very unfit and unhealthy. And I grew up a very i 'm a tall person i 'm six foot six, so taller than most people, and I also grew up very uh, naturally skinny and For me to get i mean six six person can carry around uh, a large number of uh, weight, but the problem for me is it also affects my overall health. My blood pressure was way high, um, my diabetic numbers were starting to go up. I was sleeping way too much. Um, and then the stress headaches would start. And so I decided to get back to it because in college I was exercising by doing some cardio and lifting some weights. And so I had to get back to that. And I'm proud to say that, um, I did get back to it, uh, to start, uh, 2020, I was almost up to 250 pounds, which is I'm genetically supposed to be thin.
1: Mm. And
0: so that was, uh, that was too much. And it was all in my gut and my face. And I still got a little to go in the face. Um, but I'm proud to say that I did lose almost 30 pounds in the first uh, two and a half to three months. Just and it's it, it is a little bit easier for me to lose weight because I'm naturally skinny. But I committed to exercise. I committed to cardio, and which for me to commit to cardio, if you know me, that's not that's <laughs> not, not my favorite.
1: Like <laughs> yeah,
0: it's not my favorite thing to do in the world. But, but one of the biggest changes I had to make was the nutrition. And what I mean by that was just taking a meal to work instead of ordering out or going out to eat or whatever it might be, has made the biggest difference. And uh, one of the things that helped me change was uh, one of my coaches that I work with um, said to me, you know, do you need to go see somebody and talk to him because they thought I was starting to get even a little bit of depression. And I'm not. I'm one of the most happy people you'll meet normally and so i said it's time it's time i've got to make a difference it's obvious between my company my regular job and everything else going on that i've got to make a commitment to the number one thing of which i think should be everybody's number one goal is their overall health because if you are not taking care of yourself there's no way you can add value to somebody else so i asked myself if my company's goal is to add value to somebody else i have to start adding value Myself, so I can continue to do that, and so I've made those changes. It hasn't been perfect along the year, this year has been very challenging with uh, mm. the, the coronavirus and things shutting down and everything else. So it hasn't been the easiest year to do it, um, but I'm still, you know, going forward. I just had my last uh, checkup with the doctor, and the blood pressure was like right in line. I have my next blood draw coming up. I think at the end of July, maybe the beginning of August. And so I'm looking forward to that to see if my numbers are better than what they were last year. Because like I say, to me, your health should be your number one goal uh, if, it's, if it's possible. I realize sometimes it's not always possible if you got some something going on, maybe like cancer or something, you know, and it's out of your control. But if your health is in your control, make it a priority because it's what's going to give you the
1: most benefit out of moving forward. The best investment you can make. It's the best investment because when you're performing, when you've got, you know, when you feel good. Your mood is better because when you exercise, you feel good about yourself. Your mood's better. Everything that you do then, is just better. It's 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 how you how you um, you know what kind of role model you are for others in in your company in your business. It just, there's so many positives on on every angle. Now, sometimes it's difficult, like you said, you know, sometimes uh, things happen like the COVID right now, preventing us to be able to, you know, maybe go to the gym. I mean, I'm not sure, but over here, I mean, we can, but I guess there's still a lot of lockdowns, right? And so it's, yeah, sometimes it's not going to be an easy ride, but you still have to find a, overcome it and, and, and figure out a solution to keep going, right? to keep exercising. So what have you been doing? Training at home at the moment?
0: (laughs) The gym reopened about a month and a half ago. So I'm, I'm proud of that. So I do go to the gym. And the thing I was doing when the gym was not open, it was closed there for a little bit of time is I would definitely take a walk and, um, I would go and it would go uphill and it'd go uphill quite a ways. And I'd go all the way up to about a mile, a mile and a half, And then I'd come back and do a little more stretching and exercise at home as well. Uh, But I wanted to keep it going because I did notice when the gym closed there for a little bit, I was starting to creep. Like I said, it's it's a battle for me. I've, I've got to work hard at making health my number one priority. But one of the things I also have, and I'm proud of it, is two people, we call it our accountability group. And they were the two people that sat at my table at the initial certification for John Maxwell in 2017. And we email each other once a week, and we've only missed about two weeks since 2017. And one of the two in my group is extremely fit, um, helps teach military personnel about fitness, and he's a medical doctor as well, and he focuses on nutrition and everything else. And he's been a huge benefit to me and my accountability group to be able to ask questions to. And then the other guy, ironically, is a volunteer firefighter and works more in the banking industry. And he's also a super fit. Um, He's a little older than I am, uh, but he's super fit as well and goes hiking a lot with his family in the mountains. And to get their updates about how busy they are in life, and yet they're still doing this physical activity, I cannot stress how thankful I am for those two also being in my life to help me make a soul focus to health being just as important as everything else. I'm extremely grateful for both of those two as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's great to have those ins- ins- inspirational leaders um, in our lives because, I mean, starting fitness is not easy. And, you know, it's so easy to say, oh, you know, I've got kids, I've got I've got job, I'm busy at work, making excuses. So easy to make excuses. And everybody has, and nobody has it easy, right? But hearing a, a story of somebody who has it, even harder than you, and they still make it work, and they're fit. That's that's an inspiration. I mean, it's like um, um, a guy I had on my episode the other week, you know, um, uh, 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 Michael. Um, he he has decided to start a you know Ironman when he was fifty six. He's been doing Ironman. He's now in his seventies, and you know he he's had it tough. I mean, when he was training for it, he got struck by lightning while swimming in the lake. Survived it. Wow. and you know gone through so many um so much adversity so it's you know being fit um there's it's never too late it's never too late to start and there is always a way to make it work so hopefully anybody listening out there you know if you um if you want to improve your life i mean this is all about becoming more successful if you want to have more success in life and success is whatever that means for you as a success but i mean being healthy and uh, and fit is definitely uh, for me anyway and for you as well it's number one so if you guys are listening and you want to improve a success in your personal life feel more energetic um you know take ownership of you no know, of your i guess a destiny uh or your You know how long can you, you know, stay on this planet, you know, how can how better you can perform? You should definitely consider, you know, starting an exercise journey. It doesn't have to be difficult. You know, you can just, you know, do a couple of push ups, do a couple of squats, go for a walk, whatever it is. Start with something simple and then build from there. Um now I offer I offer fitness solutions on my website. So um, if you guys are interested, you can jump onto the uh, vitfit.com.au website and there is some online exercise programs available. Uh, But, you know, there is so many options. Just have a look on Google. um, Have a a go speak to somebody at your local gym as well. I mean, you can always find somebody who will be able to assist you with that. Now back to you, Joe. what because we spoke about hurdles um with exercise but also there's other other hurdles that that happen in our lives not just with you know wanting to get on an exercise journey but uh maybe when we are you know trying to trying to build um build a business run a business um have you had any any hurdles there with with you know trying to build your business
0: yeah i mean the The word that you're saying, edit this part out, I'm struggling to understand the hair- hair hairless what are you what word are you saying?
1: oh sorry hurdles
0: hurdles okay, yeah, yep, sorry, here. it's hairless. my
1: accent yeah', yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for those of okay. you guys listening I, my my origin is I come from uh, Czech Republic, so English is my second language i i gotta actually yeah, i gotta catch myself a bit more often and realize maybe people can't properly hear what I'm saying, <laughs> but yeah. Here is where the transcript comes in, guys. Guess what? I'm actually starting to include some transcript, and there's going to be some articles. So, you know, if if you really struggle with my audio <laughs> speech, then you, you got an alternative. <laughs>
0: yeah. well, the only word I've struggled with is, is hurdles. I thought you were saying careless. Her- yeah, that's like, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. no, no, funny. In- when I do the transcribing, it also like gives me uh, some weird stuff. So, <laughs> definitely, <laughs> there's definitely something to it.
0: Yeah. The the number one hurdle with uh, my business I kind of touched on earlier is getting my name out there and to be recognized as a credible trainer. Mm -hmm. And so that was the number one uh, thing. And the good news for me is uh, my name was well known in my state. I had been the, the president of an organization within my state. And so what happened is the people that came within my home state to the classes started talking about it on social media and then other states got to see that. And it started to catch on. And then I ended up going to Wisconsin, Nebraska, Tennessee, um, and a few other places. I'm trying to think off the top of my head, a few others. And now I was also scheduled to go to Texas, and it got canceled. And I'm also scheduled uh, possibly to go to Michigan. And I was brought back to Wisconsin a second time. I taught several locations throughout Iowa and so and also to Ireland. And that was within just about a year and a half time and doing that on my vacation days. So, uh, it's really, uh, been fun. Uh, but the number one hurdle is just getting my name out there and viewed as a, a credible trainer that people want to come see when I'm offering a topic that doesn't give you that instant adrenaline drive of active shooter events or mass casualty incidents or massive wildland fires like a zero, zero, zero dispatchers went through. So uh, it was tough getting my name out there to be, we want and need to take this class. Mm. And I and I think we've got that established now. And uh, it was part of uh, what's called Dare to be Great. It was a conference that we did virtually in the United States for emergency dispatchers all over the world. And I became a speaker on that. I first met the person that put that on through the Within the Trenches uh, podcast. It's a podcast about 911 dispatching. And we put this free virtual training on for emergency dispatchers. And when I spoke on Dare to be Great, there was over 1,600 people watching at the time. And I was told it was in six different countries. Wow. And so that was something I was extremely proud to be a part of. And I also get to be a part of Dare to be Great 2 coming up as well. So any zero 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 dispatchers that may hear this that want to register for DARE to be great uh, to uh, make sure you stay tuned.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And being so busy doing all this, how's your family coping with this? (laughs) Sometimes, you
0: know, they say that I work too hard. Uh, Unfortunately, a few years ago, I did get divorced. So that gives me a little extra time on my hands. Uh, But my immediate family, uh, they definitely tell me, you know, sometimes I should uh, quit working, but I, I still have a ton of friends. I still have a great family. Uh, The last week in July, I'm going on vacation with uh, uh, my whole mom's side of the family and uh, cousins and everything else. There's about 19 of us or so that go to a lake. And if if they're going to be listening to this someday, I just want to tell them I have a great time up there as well. And so just keep a lot of hobbies as well with family, friends. Um, I like to smoke food or barbecue food and uh, read books and uh, staying involved in making sure that, you know, I don't
1: just work all of the time. That's it. It's important to have balance. Mm-hmm. Joe, it's been, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Um, for anybody listening, how can people find you, any, especially, obviously, any dispatchers, anybody working in the emergency sector, um, if they want to find out more about your training business, um, how can people find out more about that?
0: Absolutely, one of the things we're launching is 911 Leadership Gold. So you can either go to 911goldlinetraining.com or 911leadershipgold.com, and both of them will be there. And the 911leadershipgold.com is for all over the world uh, emergency dispatchers. There'll be more information coming on my Facebook page, which is 911 Goldline Training, on Instagram 911 Goldline Training, and Twitter. It's too long, so it's 911 Goldline T R G. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, the website. And you could also email me at joe at 911goldlinetraining.com.
1: Awesome. Joe, it's been been amazing to have you on the show once again. I'll make sure that I put it all in the show notes. I believe we've been able to work out a special offer as well.
0: That's correct. We have. Uh, Thanks for having me on and thanks for having me in Australia. And so for anybody that's listening to the Success Inspired Podcast, that's working in emergency dispatch and working for 000. If you go on to 911 Gold Line Training on Facebook, send me a message or email me at joe at 911 Gold Line com, and you mention that you are part of the Success Inspired podcast in the email, I'm going to be giving away two 100% complimentary seats to emergency dispatchers to be a part of 911 Leadership Gold in October, all expenses paid. All you have to do is mention the Success Inspired Podcast in the email. So the first two emergency dispatchers from 000 uh, that email me will get to 10 complimentary, 100% for free because of the Success Inspired Podcast. So thanks for having me on. Awesome.
1: Joe, thank you for the kind of offer. It's amazing. Um, great having you on the show today. I look forward to speaking to you soon again. Uh, and until next time. Take care of yourself, mate, um, and catch you on the flip side.
0: (laughs) Sounds great. Thanks again.